1: Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are in the world, I guess I should say. I have some friends over in New Zealand that are paying attention in Australia, so I think it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. Hey, Brian, I think it's like 3 o'clock in the morning over there. So, well, two things. We don't have Dan today with us. Um, he got called in, the emergency management, active practitioner, got called in by the president of his college for an issue that they're dealing with over there. So, Dan, uh, we're, we're, we understand And uh, Stacey Battalion Chief Gerlick from L.A. City Fire Department um, is unable to make it with us today as well. Um, So guess what? You got me and (laughs) sounds terrible when I say it that way. And then we have Mark Baker. Mark, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me.
1: Sound like you're like a backup to the backup. The the way I announced that.
0: Hey, they said the best for last, I think, right? (laughs) (laughs)
1: So so anyway, so we're going to be kind of, kind of something we got going on here. Um, I, I talked about it last week, um, the idea that we've come up with with Mark and the Mark's, as he's calling it, the Baker's Dozen of the, <laughs> of the books for the year, which I love that title, by the way. And uh, so we're going over books of the year, uh, book of the month, I suppose. And this month, uh, we're going to be discussing Leadership is a Relationship. We're going to get into that in a minute, but first let's, let's talk about Mark. So Mark has a great sordid history and uh, we'll, we'll bring this so Mark. how First of all, I love the journey to emergency management and how people got, got to where they're at and how did you get to emergency management? And, you know, we can talk about when you're first born all the way up to uh, today, if you like
0: to start with our first board I have to include my uh, prior history with the police as a kid, but we'll, we'll just start when I came in the <laughs> army. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, you know, I joined the army straight out of high school, 17, um, hard charger, start off as a tellerman, but quickly, quickly realized I wanted more and became a military policeman to expand, uh, my pursuit of personal goals, which was, you know, ultimately I wanted to be in life. I wanted to be a, a soldier and or a cop and I wound up doing both and I figured that out. So that's where I took me into, uh, military police did that and, uh, Moved along, 24-year career, did did a bunch of things, had a bunch of experiences, learned a whole lot, uh, picked up some leadership trips, traits on the way that were incredibly valuable. And then, you know, that time, ultimately, you know, every soldier's career comes to an end one way or another. It was it was time for me to move on and decide what I wanted to be when I truly grew up. Uh, I, was, I was pursuing education at the time in my later years in the Army and uh, my my to study was criminal justice homeland security which led me into emergency management and exploration around the time of retirement ultimately decided emergency management was the field i wanted to get into it's the best uh, fit for my skills and abilities and my passions and, and desires as well uh, so so i i did that and i developed a transition plan on the way out of the army which included uh, education going back to school and getting a certificate in emergency management to short up my master's degree criminal justice homeland security and then you know diving into the plethora of is classes that are that are available and out there and, and digging into those um, uh, as i was going on along with my transition plan i quickly realized yeah, I, I i i'm gaining the education and i'm gaining the knowledge but i don't have the experience still so i was how do i how do i fill that experience gap uh, to be a marketable person coming into the em field and i and I went two different ways. I went with the volunteer organizations, uh, linking up with Team Rubicon and for volunteer experience and, and disaster response. And then ultimately the the, the the best way to gain stories and experiences is through other people's. And that's where, you know, I started really diving into the EM related leadership style uh, books, which uh, it's has been, uh, it's been incredible. It's been incredible. Uh, a truly valuable way of gaining experience without actually getting out there and being able to do it. Right. It's just learning from other stories and lessons learned along the way. And just, just using it as an overall development tool is the, the the whole development package of me as I am now.
1: <laughs> you know, it's kind of that story is great because one of the things we're talking about here today, and this is what we originally were going to talk with Stacy about is the idea of transitioning after retirement. And then there's another side of it too, which I think is really exciting too, is is transitioning after um, military service, right? And one of the things we've been working hard on here, and I know uh, Dr. Uh, Randy Collins um, with the All Hazard Instant Management Team, um, Bryce Bartlett um, as well, um, he's been working on on things with the uh, retired uh, first sergeant for the United States Marine Corps, um, and a couple other veterans group in, the, in this group are working on what it is a transition from the military and how do we transition those guys with great skills, guys and gals, right? Great skills into um, into emergency management. And I, I think Team Rubicon um, specifically has been doing an outstanding job helping veterans transition from the military into civilian service when it comes to um uh, To emergency management specifically. Now, with that, there's a couple programs that Team Rubicon has, and I'd like to kind of talk to you a little bit about that as well. If you if you're willing to, you are part. Uh, you are a Clay Hunt Fellow. What what is the Clay Hunt Fellowship, and and how did that help you uh, with your transition?
0: <laughs> yeah, Todd, I'm always willing and excited to talk about Team Rubicon. I but I have such a passion for them. It's it's incredible just what they do and what they provide for veterans and the communities they serve. But uh, the Clay Hunt Fellowship Program is a—it's—it's it's a leadership development program, but it, it goes about it with, with a slightly different approach, in that it's—it's uh, it's a self exploration of the leader, the, the the person going through the the, the program. It's—it's it's an exploration of uh, what really makes you tick. What are your strengths? We do strength finders. We have a discussion board, and it's that, and and. It, Along the way, you develop this incredible community of support for transition because know those of us who have been through, you know, you, you come out of the army and it's like this extremely structured or the military. You come out extremely structured, extremely kind of kind of safe environment and pick you up. Uh, there, there's always a safety net. But uh, then you go on to the civilian world where it's not there. You're kind of you're, you're out there and, and you, you can feel vulnerable at times. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's, it's learning how to uh, harness that vulnerability and see it as a strength. Uh, and that's kind of what Clay Hunt does you know, with, with that program. It, it does a real good job at you know, not only identifying your strengths, but then teaching you how to see vulnerability as a strength. And that was really eye-opening for me. And, and I, I, liked her, I learned a lot through that. Met some really great people in in that fellowship. Yeah. So good time.
1: With leadership specifically, and, and I had a conversation with my class yesterday, and uh, Dr. Craig Hansen is on is listening today too, um, and we had a discussion regarding your leadership specifically in emergency management, and and why um, I believe specifically that we need to really develop emergency managers with leadership skills, and um, Dr. Kelly Garrett um, from uh, EMI. He's been doing some great work in this area as well. Uh, Again, Dr. Randy Collins, um, he's been doing some great work in the leadership side of things. Um, You know, why, why is it important for emergency managers to hone their leadership skills?
0: Yeah. You never know what situation you're going to be thrown into. And you don't get just thrown into as a, another cog in the wheel. When you come with that title emergency manager, you're, there's a little bit of expectation there for you for you to be able to step up and, and you know, take charge and build collaborative teams and and reach out and pull people in to work towards a collective uh, and and those uh those leadership skills are they pay off greatly if you have them built up and they can also hurt you if you don't you can't you definitely can't go into a room full of uh, you know fire chiefs police chiefs and bring everybody together with a authoritarian authority. Am I saying that word? You can't. You, you can't. Can't be super stern with them. You have to. You have to be co- uh, collaborative in, in order to build that. You know cooperation within within the teams, and and it has to be kind of. You ain't got much time to do it, so you, you got to do it pretty quick too. And especially when you're talking about instant management, yeah. leadership, your leadership skills in emergency management, are likely make or break the your success and your efforts and whatever you're trying to do. I just believe it, it, it's a, it's an incredibly valuable tool for an emergency manager to be a leader. It, it's in the title, right? You substitute manager with leader. Right. There you go.
1: You know, what I find interesting too, is, um, I I've had the opportunity to lead volunteers, right? Whether it's a mm-hmm. SERP program, the volunteers, of services, the RACES guys, the guys who do uh, volunteer communicators, um, those groups, and others right and also part of team rubicon as well and what i think is interesting too is if you want to learn really how to lead a group of people lead a group of people that are doing stuff for free that can just walk away because they don't they're not getting paid to be there they're not they're, they're not listening to you because they uh, uh their paycheck uh, depends upon it they'll listen to you because you know you get this position and, and and they want to follow you um and i think that's a great place to to learn to lead uh what was your experience on on compared to leading say leading troops compared to leading volunteers
0: no you're right totally got so i I did cert too. cert was kind of parallel to team room con same time Uh, but uh yeah that was a definite learning curve you have to you have to come in humble you have to come in and you have to really explain and display the return of investment that that volunteers are getting in their their time and effort that they're donating uh and, and then you have to really start and convince them of the why they're doing it. If they don't understand that they don't get it, they're just showing up and they don't get, they don't get the most sexiest jobs. And when they come to the scene, they're going to, they're, they're out at a, at a point of distribution and handing out water or PPE or whatnot, but nah, but it's important stuff. And, and it's important that, that, that they understand what they're doing and how it impacts the community. And if, that was the challenge, because you're right, as, a, as an NCO, as a leader in the Army, I had a certain level of authority that came with that. People were going to follow me, uh, uh, even if they didn't like to or want to, because they were obligated to. Uh, the, but the best experiences I had leading even in the Army was those times where you, you, know, you had you to develop the team that wanted to follow you, that had their heart in it, and they were committed to what you were doing and, and you as a leader and that that that's the skill that translates well into the civilian world and especially volunteers is you know convincing folks to uh, to accomplish a mission you know by providing purpose direction motivation just like in the nco creed and, and then turn, change that into why um, when they buy into it like when you see team rubicon go out there and, and get at it clear roads and live in austere environments and and Serve communities with with the passion they have. It, it's it, it's amazing, and you have to respect that. And, and that's a tremendous responsibility for the leader too, is to maintain that and not spoil that experience by by poorly leading.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think this really great transition into the book that that you chose um, for for this month and um it's called leadership as a relationship and i have a copy of it uh, here because he's tabbed up a little bit and mark and i before we went on the air talking about how uh i showed him your book too
0: <laughs> yeah same thing
1: <laughs> so okay why did you choose this book and well first of all why did you choose choose the book and then why don't you just give a quick synopsis of it and we'll get into uh some of the lessons learned
0: so i i chose this book i try. i when I developed my reading list, I tried to alternate between leadership and emergency management experience experiences uh, within books. Uh, this, this was a leadership rotate on, in the rotation. And uh, specifically with this book, I was, I was looking at trying to get a, uh, a kind of a civilian perspective of relationship and trying and to explore the stories that are within that and if they differ from the military. But then as soon as I started reading, I quickly realized that you know there's a lot of military uh leadership traits that are that are uh, discussed in the book as well but uh yeah that was was my biggest pick because i just i always want to keep sharp the leadership tool that that i have in my toolbox and uh looking for ways to develop and and continue development as a leader so so that was my biggest reason for choosing this book Uh, just looking to get those uh, additional lessons and perspectives
1: so back of the jacket, um, you know, description of what this book's about, and then we'll get into what your lessons are.
0: Yeah. So the, the, the book is about, you know, leading on a more personal level. So getting to know your employees or the, the, the people that you're asking to follow you and truly understanding them and, and leveraging the strengths that are necessary to build those personal relationships, um, to, to. To uh, create a, a platform for leadership, uh, this uh, this book went into and explained different perspectives. We talked about how athletes lead other athletes. You don't have to be a leader; you don't have to be in a leadership position to be a leader. And there's ways to lead, uh, whilst, while well, in those positions. This uh, talks gets into perspectives of even CEOs of corporations of uh, leading. And then, of course, the military aspect of it.
1: What I got out of the book, what I find interesting is the accountability aspect of it, right? Yeah. And that holding everybody in that group, including yourself as a leader, accountable uh, for for things. And and you know, I know that uh, we've talked about. Well, I've talked about this before with. Um, um, the, the what's it, the extreme ownership right uh with that book where the idea is extremely owning um your actions specifically like your, your business whatever you're doing um that that is i think is really it's very similar right is holding accountability up and down a chain is that you are are keeping yourself accountable but and when it comes to leadership and this is my perspective on this and this is um and i think Maybe maybe you pick this up as well as with through Team Rubicon um, and through things that you've done through your life is is realistically the best leadership style. But I shouldn't say that. That's, that's really value judgment here. My personal favorite leadership style, right for me, is that the idea of the servant leader. And you know, even even um, if you read uh, uh, Call Some Chaos, um, realistically, you know that was servant leadership. Making sure that your troops, making sure the people that are under you have the, the right tools and, and assets and everything to get the job done and and open doors for them. Um, and it's never ever about you. It's always about about them. And I kinda that's what I got out of this book, by the way.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely picked up this the the same same message as you and I quickly related because I like how the book kind of broke it down into different attributes. Each chapter had a different attribute and accountability being the first one. I quickly went to, uh, in the army, right. I, I went back there and I thought about PT, right. And, and leaderships and, and being accountable to your team based on your, your you know, your physical ability and, and, and taking the proper initiative to you know, do the extra work, uh, do the work when no one's looking in order to be prepared for whatever may come. I, I, that's kind of, I went back to there, uh, with, with that one. Also, you know, with, uh, yeah, checking yourself—you you, got to be accountable for, your, for yourself. You're you're always going to count for those who you're responsible for. They're gonna you're gonna good or bad. You're gonna you're gonna own it. But yourself that, that's a that's a big one too.
1: Yeah, I I found that through this, and and just to kind of clarify, when they're saying that leadership is a, is a relationship, they're not saying that you need to be you know, friends with the people that work for you. Matter of fact, it's probably just just the opposite. You, you know, what I mean by that is like, you can be friendly with them, but sometimes you have to make decisions that are outside of that whole being friends with them. Um, but the, the other side of it though is it has to be a mutual re- respect between those that are following you, um, and, and you to them, right. I, both ways on, on the, on that sheet. Well, you know how how do you see that happening? You know with this, how how do you you know take this book, take the lessons learned, and and really make it practical and and deploy them to what you do today?
0: You just you have to you have to care. I think you have to lead with understanding. Remember, did you do that in the military where you uh, you got to a new unit, and you fill out the. This- long personal data bio sheet your hobbies and all that stuff yeah. I, used to, I used to think how crazy that was and why I, why i had to do that everywhere i went but uh it makes sense right it makes sense that you understand what makes your your people tick and, and what, what they care about and where they want to go uh, and in turn you're going to get a more loyal uh, employee and dedicated to the mission that and the goals and objectives that you're trying to achieve I think this book, the big takeaway is leading on a more, on a deeper level, on a deeper level of understanding between you and your employee. You got to understand when that, and that employee comes in, you know, and it, and, and is having a, a bad attitude, poor performance. There's probably an underlying reason for that. You know? right. and, it, and if you take the time to care and, and invest into understanding your employee's particular, uh, particular situation or. Circumstance or what drives them, and you take that extra effort to understand them. I think you're just going to overall get a a better output altogether from from your from your employee or or your teammates, whoever you may be working with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the team failure, right, isn't the me- team members. It's the right. it's the it's the leadership. Um, that's the topic, <laughs> You know. I actually had a meeting yesterday with my team um, with uh, and, and we were having this conversation uh, regarding um, some communication issues that occurred and um, basically was uh, saying, Hey, look at, like, this is, this is where it's at. And I have to take personal ownership me as the leader uh, of not giving a uh, better direction to, to the team. And that's where it's, you know, so so instead of saying hey you guys screwed up right it was like hey what where did I fail to, to direct you in, in the right way And so taking that ownership of the failure to the top instead of blaming your team um, I think was is a is something that you have to do when you reflect on an issue that's going on
0: yeah and, and that kind of leads right into probably the, the next attribute forgiveness right you have to also you have to lead and in, 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 you know, if you get it in there live with forgiveness and that's a continuous thing uh, the, the misunderstanding of, of a task you know that the the failure to deliver on a product uh, you know just just creating an environment of uh you know trust and worry that you can make mistakes and learn from them and not have retribution from that i think i think that's a big big piece too of this book was uh that i took away was that forgiveness chapter and that, especially when they said, um, "It's a continuous effort. It's a continuous thing. You got to continually forgive. It's not just waiting for the 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 the, the big things to happen. It's just, it's ongoing, right?" And that, yeah.
1: You know, and and that's the other thing too is we, as humans, we tend to learn better from our mistakes than we do from our successes, right? And. You know, if you think about a sports team, um, when they lose that game, even if it's a close game, reflecting on what they did wrong on that. And I don't mean to 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 sit there and, and brood over your mistakes. Learn from those mistakes, saying, okay, okay, what did I do wrong here, right? To make myself better at, at what I can do next time I go out. You know, and I, I was as a coach, um, those are the conversations that that I would have. And then I would tell the guys, okay, let's forget about the loss, right? But remember the lessons that we learned, right? And then and then move on from there.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I've got to way back. There's a, there's no, there's no losing. There's there's no failure, right? There's only uh, achieving or learning. And if you can adopt that kind of mindset, I think that helps with, uh, you know, being brave and being bold and being built towards, uh, you know trust it builds trust in, in your team and, and, you, and you allow them to the the lat the the leniency or the the ability to go out there and be bold and try new things and knowing that they uh they won't get crucified for it you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> right i think that's the thing that that where you, when you start to have problems in an organization is when the leadership will crucify people for making mistakes and then they lose that trust. And, and I hate to say it this way because, you know, it's the whole, uh, the whole millennial versus whatever, <laughs> but the whole, like have a safe place for people to, uh, um, uh, <laughs> to, to, uh, to come in with their mistakes. Um, the trust that they're not going to get killed over something simple or even something major. Right. And, you know, one of the lessons that, that I learned from, from my dad was, you, you know, when when you have a problem it's never the it's never the mistake that uh that gets you right it's it's the idea of not owning up to that mistake uh, yeah, yeah. Is, is what gets you
0: yeah, i think clay hunt when i was going through that really opened that up just that uh creating the, the safe space within you know within the organization the organization is a safe space if, or, I, or i hate to say me i'm not the safe space but you could come to me and uh, if, you, if you could be that leader that people bring their problems to that speaks volumes of you and your leadership to the, the ones that they're afraid to approach and and admit uh, shortcomings or, or issues with uh, those are the ones you got to worry about. I think that's a it's kind of a, a leadership failure if you have that have that barrier up where your, your your people don't trust you enough to get to to bring you their issues.
1: You know, it's been said in the past that people do not leave organizations they leave managers. and yeah. um, and I think that same <clears throat> same same applies to what what we do. like we've seen I've seen many a good uh, emergency manager uh, leave an organization because they felt the leadership just wasn't supporting um, what they were doing and, and uh, it's sad when that when that occurs. but there's also the other side of that too is what are you doing as an emergency manager to uh, ensure that your voice is heard uh, in that organization you know what 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 piece of advice would you give to someone starting out um, in the field of emergency management uh, when it comes to walking down this leadership path
0: I think you you got to be you got to be clear in your your goals and objectives and what you want to achieve you got to be I, I think you got to be bold and, and willing to uh, Make the hard recommendations, make the hard choices, and you got to be able to have thick skin when it comes to uh, you know people not receiving that well. Um, but so, so I think that's it. I think you got to be, you got to be trustworthy. You got to be bold, and you got to be, uh, got to be honest, and, and lead with integrity. And just and clear and clear. Uh, you got to empower, empower your people. Yeah, and then watch them floors.
1: That is key, right there. Uh, um, yeah, never be a well. I say this because this is my style, but never be a micromanager because I think once you start micromanaging, people don't make decisions, and once they stop making decisions, then now you're doing all the work, just having other people kind of do it for you, and then uh, then they're not they're not learning anything, they're not growing as a person, they're not growing as leaders, and uh, Troy Lutrick who is the vice president of IEM region nine with, with, we were talking the other day um, about um, about the next generation coming up behind us. And he's, he's, he's a retired uh, firefighter. And he said, look, he goes, if we're not training the, the people coming up behind us, you know, that's a failure on our part. Right. So, so train our replacements. That's what he's saying. Train the trainer replacements. I think that's a critical that we should be constantly looking for and training those next generation that's coming behind us. And that's one of the my one of the reasons why I got into higher education, uh, like why I love teaching. Uh, one of the reasons why in with the my leadership style here at, with IAM Region Nine is that I'm looking for younger and new emergency managers to put into leadership roles um, so they can step up because without them you know, we, uh, this profession will, will start to fail.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important to have uh, that cognitive diversity within organizations. If you have too many of the, if you're overstacked on that retired firefighter uh, demographic in emergency management, uh, the thought process seems to go one way. I think we got to have a good mix of old and new and experiences uh, from, from all the, all the different uh, first responder fields, I think, should be represented within there.
1: Absolutely. Hi, Mark. Hey, thank you for spending time with me this morning. Hey, what book do you have coming up next month?
0: Oh, man. Uh, let me see. Did I bring it? I did. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I want to show you the picture. I, I can All sing right. and dance as long as I can. There we go. Angry Weather. That's what's coming up. I want to look into the... I want to dive into climate change and its effect on natural disaster. And uh, this book seems to have a, uh, it's a, oh man, a forensics approach to uh, a forensic scientific approach to climate change.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, absolutely. We're all going to be impacted by, by this climate change. And like I tell my students all the time, we might not be able to fix the climate change, but man, we have to be prepared uh, for, for what it brings to our communities and to our jurisdictions. So, again, Mark, thank you so much for your time today, and I look forward to uh, reading that book as well and and learning more. And uh, you can always find more information um, regarding the books that we're going to be doing um, on the uh, on the Leaders Cafe website um, and in the uh, Baker's Dozen bookshelf. <laughs> All right, Mark. I'll see you next month.
0: Hey, thanks, Cod.
1: Hey, everybody, again, thank you so much for being here with me uh, today. Hey, um, if you guys are available today at 4.30, I'm doing the IAM Region 9 State of the uh, the Region, and I'd love to have you guys join me there. That's the same bet right here on, on LinkedIn, if you're here, or Facebook, on IAM's Facebook. And uh, hopefully, we will see you there. Until next time, everybody, please stay safe and stay hydrated.